Welcome to the Field of 12 After Dark Show, Sirius XM, ESPNU. Y'all can call me dirty from now on because I plan on getting dirty with George's ass. Let the nuts hang. I'll give you the politically non-correct answer. The lights went out. Don't worry, guys. Don't worry. It's Dabo doing the gritty. The old man, I'm screaming at kids to get off his lawn. Well, you never know what the hell is going to go on in Morgantown. You get off the bus, it smells like straight whiskey. Cheers, boys. Let's ride. Let's go. Of Field of 12 After Dark, if you will. And listen, it is literally, it's for real After Dark this time. And, and listen, I've got quarterback guru, George Whitfield. Whitfield, how you doing? We're good, Felder. How you doing, man? I'm doing all right, man. Big day. A lot of things happened today. We And listen, we're not going to be able to get it done without Clint Turner, former Arkansas quarterback. I know. I know you're hurting, my man. I'm sorry. I know we're, you're hurting. We're going to get to it on the toast, but how you doing outside of that? Uh, there's no outside of that right now, Felder. Shit, I'm sick. I'm sick, man. It, it hurt. It hurt like hell. I don't like losing. I got an unhealthy competitive gene. I tell you what, though. I've always been able to fan, even for my own squad. I've always been able to somewhat disconnect and fan in a healthy manner. I didn't do that today. Yeah. I, I didn't do it today. My gut was twisted up the whole damn game. Uh, I mean, my chest was hurting the whole damn game. And then we we kick one off the damn uprights to lose the football game. Yeah, I mean, I'm not doing good, Felder, but I, I'm glad to be with you boys, man. Look yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you here, man. And then we got Christian Hackenberg, former Penn State quarterback, UMass. Uh, excuse me, not UMass. That, that, now I'm thinking of Brenneman. Good grief. Yeah, you get that crossed <laughs> up every once in a while. Former Penn State quarterback. Uh, Hack, how are you doing, man? I know you had a busy day today, but you got a chance to take in some of these games. We're going to get to everything. Um, let's start. Let's let's kick it off because we got so much stuff to get through. I want to run through. Let's get through the toast. Let's go, Hack, Clint, George. Let's go through our toast. Clint, what are you toast? Or excuse me, uh, Hack, what are you toasting to? Uh, quick one. Had uh, had some blood on both sides of this game today. App State head coach, Fork Union guy. I went to Fork yeah. Union Military Academy. Um, their kind of Cinderella run got ended by JMU, where I grew oh, up about an hour south of JMU. So here's the JMU making the bump up to to FBS this year, getting it done against App State. Sure. Looking out for that program. Excited it for is. JMU. That was a heck of a football game. It was really, really one to watch because mm-hmm. App State looked like they were going to walk the dog on them early, and then they battled yep. back and got into the game. All right, Clint, what are you toasting to? Well, hell, I had I had a laund- I had a laundry list of things, fellas. If I'm being honest, but but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and stick with one of my originals. I'm not gonna let the outcome of that game sway me from from one of the greats. And I know George, you always like to to give Lee Corso a little something, uh, you know, at the end of all of our toasts. But I'm gonna give Lee Corso my toast tonight because he was the only one that picked the damn Razorbacks. He's clearly the only one that had any sense yes, going into this damn matchup. Yes, on game day, he picked the Razorbacks because he watched a little bit of football leading up to it. And, and Lee, not only is this toast to you, Coach, but I apologize my Razorbacks let you down, brother. Here's the Lee Corso. Coach Corso. All right, Whitfield, get in here. What do we got? I, given it's my birth state, Wichita, Kansas, I wanted to go with the Jayhawks again. Uh-huh. 5-0 now, beating Duke. Sold out crowd at Lawrence, but on the opposite of pain is obviously some either joy or I guess you would say some relief. As bad as Clint's feeling with the Arkansas Razorbacks, I'm toasting to Jimbo Fisher, and here's why. Don't you do it. Don't Uh you do it. No, no, no. From a 30,000-foot view, he brought a top. 6-7 team into the season, as voted on by other people. Made a quarterback switch game, too. Lost to App State. Then they have to go through murderer's row. In comes a ranked Hurricanes team, finds a way to beat them. And now came in probably one of the hottest teams in America, the Razorbacks, found a way to beat them. Then they have a ranked Mississippi State team coming up next week, and on and on. They play the most ranked teams in America. And if you let one loss get you, everything else is going to get you, too. They didn't. They tightened it up. That's ball coaching. Coach Fisher, yes, Clint, on the other side of your day, ball coaching to you, Coach. Oh, you won, George, you son of a – You do indeed. <laughs> I didn't hear any mention about the upright there in that, though. Yeah. No, no, no. Look, they. you can't do it. You got to do your part. 
You gotta do your part. So here's my to- here's my toast. It's pretty simple. <clears throat> my toast is very simple. I'm toasting JMU for my buddy Stephen Hartzell. He and I work together at Learfield, and I'm toasting JMU. You come into the Sun Belt, you make waves, you go get the job done. So I'm following up on you, Hack. I'm following up yeah. on you. Like they, you, you come in and you get the job done. You don't miss a beat, which is something that Appalachian State did when they came into the Sun Belt. So I'm gonna toast to them. So cheers, boys. Now hey. let's get to this rundown. Here we go. Double up on the Dukes. There we Felder, go. shooting over there, Andy. He's shooting, Andy. Listen, it, you know, that's the only way. I like So here's what we got. Um, we're gonna start with let's 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 kick it off with Ohio State, right? So I want to go. Let's go. Let's go, Clint. Let's go, Hack. Let's go, George. Ohio State. The performance that they gave us against Wisconsin. This is what we expected all season after that slow start against Notre Dame. Clint. Yeah. Oh, go ahead, Hack. Oh, George. Yeah, I mean, I could jump right off it. I yeah, think. Come on. Wisconsin's had a ton of credit to me, and it kind of proved it today. The beast in the West is going to be Minnesota. Yep. Um, uh, I think Wisconsin's kind of been holding that crown uh, without a lot of contention. Sure. And um, I think just the in in inefficiency and inconsistency at quarterback play for them has really been the biggest issue, even going back into last year. It's continued into this year. When you're facing Ohio State, you have to play perfect. I said this to Josh Perry. We were talking on our on our show this week. Um, Graham Mertz had to be 1,000% perfect in everything that he did um, and take advantage of every opportunity that he had. And Ohio State did not even let that happen. Um, they are hitting their stride up there in Columbus and um, really excited to see what comes out of that, especially with Michigan and Penn State kind of heating up as well. Um, the East is always going to be interesting, but this is kind of what I expected heading into it. I think Wisconsin's gotten too comfortable. I think Minnesota's a really hungry football team and bigger picture. That's that's kind of what I was – it was more of proving that to me that today up there than um, really learning anything about Ohio State. So I'm going to put a pin in Minnesota because we're going to get to them. But mm-hmm. Clint, what with, when it comes to Ohio State, Clint and, 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 and Witt, what do you guys like about this team? Is it the versatility? The like, where did Stover come from? The 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 the, the guy that just played. He's played linebacker, defensive end, and now he's playing like this hybrid tight end position. And he's making big time plays. Ohio State. Do you think they have too many weapons for other teams to stop them? No, no, I don't. You can never have too many weapons. I mean, they're going to be hard to stop no matter what. But I mean, look, I when you look at Ohio State right now, I think everybody is going to be compared to Georgia in the country yes. in terms of do you have the dudes? Do you have the weapons? Do you have the quarterback? Do you have the dudes to go in and legitimately compete with a Georgia football team? And I think that's what Ohio State's up against at this point. Today was more about Ohio State for me than it was. Wisconsin. This is a really good Wisconsin defense, or we thought it was. Statistically, it was, especially against the run. And Ohio State's rolled up 250 on them. And last time we saw Ohio State against a team that mattered or a team that that we all were interested in, it was it was Notre Dame. They didn't show well. And so for them to go out there and, and put on an absolute show from Jump Street against Wisconsin, what we all think is a pretty solid defense, you go, okay, Ohio State is for real. They're clearly a, one of the top two or three teams in the country. And then you start looking at things like you're talking about, Felder, where you go, okay, do they have the dudes to keep up with Georgia? Do they have the dudes to go in there and legitimately compete with Georgia? Um, and, and I think Ohio State took a step in the right direction today. I mean, they're, they're missing one of their top guys, and other dudes just keep keep stepping up. So, yeah, it's a big day. It was a, it was a great day for Ohio State. Uh, if we're being honest, in terms of who they stack, how they stack up against Georgia. All right, Wit, you're watching this and you're you're seeing the quarterback play, and you're watching the way that they're able to manipulate things. Uh, what do you like? What do you like? What's what's the what thing stands out the most to you about this team? Uh, the Buckeyes, they can afford a, uh, any major loss. Just I hate to say it, and I think I've said it yeah. multiple times. Their third string quarterback. <clears throat> would be celebrated at Notre Dame right now. That's just how – If should C.J. Stroud roll an ankle and he's out two games, they don't panic. If Henderson should have a a stinger in his shoulder, there's two, three, four, five more running backs right behind him ready to go. Like, like they are so well-rounded. They ran for 250 tonight. They threw for 280. 
you saw some competitiveness. The game was out of bounds. I mean, it was it was gone. It was 45-7. Wisconsin gets a touchdown. Ohio State runs right back, gets another touchdown. But they're working on things. You could see screen packages going in. Uh, they tried to run their four-minute offense early. They ran a two-minute offense in another situation that they didn't really have to because while we're beating you, we got monsters down the road we're getting ready for. So just, I mean, a lot of that's coaching. It's big picture thinking. And it's also telling the kids there, there are no days off. They didn't have their fastball against Notre Dame. They had some injuries. Then they battled a couple other games. And now they're starting to kind of catch their stride. Big blowout win. And it's still going. All right. So I want you guys give me one sentence on this thing. Because the biggest thing that I noticed in this football game and George, you you mentioned the, the the four minute offense, the two minute package in the in the screen packages. But the biggest thing that I noticed is early in the game attacking the middle, yep, and then using Wisconsin's adjustment against them to create more space to out to the outside. Yep. So let's let's start with you, George. Then we'll go to Clint. Then we go to Hack. What does that do for you, like as a quarterbacks coach, and then as guys that have played the quarterback position? Give me one quick sentence on that because then we got to talk a little Minnesota. It does everything because only three or four schools in the country have a guy who can thread and seed the ball like that over the middle, down the middle. It, it, it opens up your whole book. You can't get pinned in. There you go. Clint, what, what, is, what does it do? You come into the game. You know that you're going to attack the middle. You've been in practice all week. You come into the game knowing that, and it works. And then you yeah. see everything you got to the edge. Well, it's, it's a game of adjustments, man. I mean, if you got a team that's a middle open team, whether it's quarters or two, you're going to attack the middle and, and it, for the most part, and you're going to try to run the football against a too high look with two on the roof. And the minute they swing to, to one on the roof, you're going to, you're going to attack outside. Hopefully you got a good screen game. Hopefully you got a good quick game. Hopefully you got a good mid range game where you're not just throwing low percentage balls down the field, but it's very simple. It doesn't matter what your game plan is. Is I mean, every offense in America has, we're going to attack the middle, and we're going to run the football. Okay, they adjust. We're going to attack outside with screens and quick game. And, we'll, we'll I mean, it, the big thing there, and I know I'm over one sentence, Mike, but the yeah. big thing there is is very simple. If you're doing that, then you're dictating the game offensively. So you're in a pretty damn Correct. good spot. Hack, that's what I wanted to get to. What does it yeah. feel like when you're in that position where you get to dictate and tell everybody else well, what you're going to do? I'm – I'm, Ohio State's one of the very few programs in the country that have the privilege to do that because of the things that George mentioned. Their third string quarterback, their fourth, their fifth string running back, their seventh string wide receiver is going to be somebody that can make plays across the field. So at the end of the day, to me, um, that's the beauty in Ohio State. And it ultimately comes down to how you want to approach that game and how you want to attack it, and then how you want to marry all of your offensive concepts to where you want to where you want to take advantage of your mismatches, whether it be personnel mismatches or um, you know, just overall scheme mismatches depending on coverage and things of that nature. So when you have the horses and the Jimmies and the Joes, makes it a lot easier to say, this is how we're going to start or this is how we're going to go and just kind of like Floyd Mayweather it, you know, jab, 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 you know, hook mm -hmm. the whole way. Mm -hmm. When you got guys like that, you know, as, as a coordinator, that's, it's beautiful. I mean, you could, you got, you got the world's your oyster. So I think Ryan Day has that. He's done a great job of developing his, his roster and, those guys can go out and execute. So you can win without your fastball one day. You can, you know, pretty much however you want to do it. It just comes down to how you game plan that week. So I'm, I'm excited. During this, we just saw Utah just make an amazing play to score a touchdown against Arizona State. So we'll, I'll try to keep what's going on going on. Uh, we're monitoring what's going on with Oklahoma. Um, oh, but yeah. the, wow. the thing I wanted to get to, um, I don't want to go long. We don't have to go <clears> long <throat> on this. I think that Clint's hurt enough. Arkansas and A&M was the other primetime game that we had. So, Clint, I'll give you the floor. Give me – give me, and you know what? I'm setting a timer. Give me a, give me a hard 90 seconds on what you thought about the game, whether it was execution, play calling, was it the opposition? Where do, where do you think the issues were in that football game for the Hogs? Hold up, Felder. I, I'm going to give my time to Clint, too. So if that that should add up a little bit more for him. Thank you. You got my yield. I yield. I yield. Gentlemen. Yes, sir. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think that's why this was so painful, guys. Because I, I I feel like Arkansas is convincingly the better football team as a whole right now than A and M is. And so um, when it comes down to the wire, um, this thing was about execution. And for me, there was moments in that game where the play calling actually swung momentum in a major way negatively 
for Arkansas. I thought mm-hmm. for, for some reason, Arkansas is up 14 zip. Things are rocking and rolling with very vanilla, yep. you know, in between the tackles, quarterback plus one run game. I mean, they're banging these guys and dominating and, and with a, a nice solid lead. And they come in and all of a sudden Kendall Bryles tries to give um, Malik Hornsby, the backup quarterback, who's a, an unbelievably athletic kid who's playing a little receiver. They go three straight balls where they're trying to – three straight snaps where they're trying to get him the ball in some kind of creative way. I thought that really stalled that drive. Yeah. Everybody's going to talk about K.J. Jefferson's fumble, and that was big, no question about it. Sure. That was absolutely huge. Um, but really where this game swung big time was when, was when the Malik Hornsby package – was unveiled all of a sudden, three straight plays, the drive stalled, and and AM they they caught their breath and they and they hit stride. The the KJ Jefferson fumble, that's something you got to be able to overcome. I mean, I that, that's unfortunate. I'll never fought fought the kid for for giving that kind of effort. Um hopefully he wouldn't do that again, but but that's something you got to be able to to overcome if if you're if you're Arkansas. But here here's the deal. Now on to Georgia's time. Here's here's the deal, and in, in, in you're talking about Big Ten football or SEC football um, in particular, but but really across the board. When you're playing a top half of the of the conference team, mm-hmm. when you're playing one of those opponents, everybody's pretty talented. They may not be coached as well, they may not be as sound, they may not, but everybody's pretty solid. And when you get two defenders in one gap with a guy like A Chain carrying a rock, he can hit his yeah. head post. Yeah. You know, when when you when you a quarterback jumps over and extends the football like that with hands and heads everywhere, it's gonna bite you sometimes. When you got two receivers dropping balls in a drive that you gotta have it, that stuff is gonna bite you in the tail. And I'm gonna give credit to Max Johnson. Mm-hmm. Max mm-hmm. Johnson is exactly who I said he was from jump. If he were the starting quarterback from training camp on for the Texas AM Aggies, they would be undefeated right now. And it's it's about not throwing one interceptions. And it's about making plays on third down in, in, a, in big moments. He did that two or three times tonight. And uh, it's just an absolute game changer for the Aggies because they're a talented bunch. They are. They, and, and I love that. I want to stick in the SEC. Um, so let's – listen, I want George, I want you to get in here first. Hmm. Florida and Tennessee, because I know you're one of the biggest Anthony Richardson fans. Indeed. Both was, of them. Was this – was this the was this the game where he showed that he could throw the ball? Because for me, watching this football game, yeah, it looked like they let him do more than they had let him do before. And Tennessee was only prepared for what they had let him do before. That's fair. You're right. Tennessee was ready and prepared for the earlier model. Yes. And here, Florida is revamping by the day. First of all, no matter how talented your quarterback is, and you got two really talented ones on here with us. Sure. If he can operate between the guards, boy, yeah. life gets easy. If we have to get you out of the pocket or we have to call a play and then you kind of start the play and then you just flip that over halfway through and you just do your own thing, then life gets dramatic and tough. We'll catch some highlights, but we'll get some lowlights with it too. Florida is getting this guy to, to really play be- between the guards. He threw a ball today. It was a corner route going to his left side. I don't know if you guys saw it. It's probably his second or third quarter. Mm-hmm. And he was early and he laid it and he had so much composure. It was like throwing an egg. And the receiver went up and caught it. And it was like the drama from the pocket, from the receivers. It was on time. He turned to the sidelines like, that's what you wanted. It helps. Leave your athleticism for emergency purposes, not primary purposes. If he starts evolving like that, how the guy on the other side of the field was doing all day and hooker, man, like Florida's going to be a tough out. I thought this was like watching two great tennis players. Uh, uh, we just lost. Serving volley. Oh, man, back and forth, back and forth. It's like, man, he gets the ball. He gets the ball. But to answer your question, yes, even in a tough loss tonight, Richardson, I mean, and the Gator offense took a giant step, I thought. Huge step. Clint, I know you watch this game as well. Um Take me through your thoughts on the other side of this, uh, Hendon Hooker. I, I think he can be better. I, I think as good as he was today, which he's absolutely amazing. I mean, this, this guy, he should be in the Heisman conversation right now, and, mm-hmm. and folks in the SEC East should be scared of Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I don't know that he's got right now – I don't know that I watch and go, yeah, this this dude's got the he, – he's got the, 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 uh, the explosiveness and the no. – 
the highlight reel type of stuff to win the Heisman, but he damn sure should be in the conversation. Here's mm -hmm. the deal. He missed, again, as good as this kid. He was 22 of 28, guys. 22 yeah. of 28 for 350. And I'm telling you, he left three He left three balls on the field. Where I mean, passes on the field where you're just like, hell, I could throw it right now at 44 and 30 pounds overweight. I mean, I'm, I mean it's like, what, what, what happened? But he only he missed six times, so nobody's going to talk about it. This right. kid could, could really be better. He's right. going to get better. That's the scary thing about Hendon Hooker, man, is he's got a play caller. He's got some straight dudes at wide receiver. Yeah. And he's a baller, man. It, it's going to be fun to watch this thing unfold for Tennessee. All right, Hack, I want to get your thoughts. Like, give me some more, like, outside, like, big, big picture quarterback play. Yeah. Because you're a guy that you came into school, huge arm, right? You had yep. weapons around. You could make these big plays. What are we look? What are you like when you're watching these guys play? These young guys, <clears throat> Richardson or Hooker, when you're watching them play, what's the spark that gets you going when you see them play? Is it is it the athleticism, or is it the arm, or is it the accuracy? What do you think you've got to drill down on to make sure that you have success moving forward? What's well, kind of funny to me is you kind of have two two different two paths different beasts. At the moment. You have two different paths at the moment. You know, yeah. you have Hendon Hooker, who was a starter at Virginia Tech, and then transfers, finds a home, really catches a rhythm and a system that fits his talent. I mean, at the end of the day, you had almost a thousand yards of total offense between both these guys tonight, yeah. which is fun as hell to watch. Um, I think Anthony Richardson, what people need to understand, and I know why George is on the train so hard, is when you just sit there and you watch the kid, you cut cut all the noise out, cut all the uh, all the antics, expectations, media pressure, all that, and you just watch the kid throw the football. He's got a ton, a ton, a ton of talent, like mm -hmm. insane amount of talent. So it's up to that development, and I think us as fans need to start appreciating that development. And I think tonight was a great a great step in the right direction, but with the understanding that it's not just like, okay, we do this, now it's here. No, like there's there's still going to be this, right? And you right. need to you need to be able to battle through the ebbs and flows and the growth of that. So really encouraging, I think, from the Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson side um, to George's point about being able to grow and understand when to use the freakish, insane tool sets that he's been given by God and when to just play the quarterback position the right way, facilitate on time and just let it look easy. And then for Hendon Hooker, I think great, incredible story of starting somewhere, not a great situation, ultimately finding a great home, and then just hitting your rhythm. And to Clint's point, I've watched a couple of Tennessee games, and yes, I think he leaves a ton of plays out there. As mm -hmm. efficient as he is, he still leaves plays out there, so there's still room for growth with that kid. And um, another point Clint made, really excited for Tennessee. I think that team's very, very talented offensively they present a lot of issues we'll see i think they can play some spoiler at some point in time this season mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in the well, sec i'm gonna i'm gonna get right to that because that's that's the next question i have and listen i just need one word for all three of you one word you just give me one team who's the team and we saw georgia they got into it a little bit with kent state mm. they got into it with kent state today there was a not there was let me let me make let me double check my notes it was a 10-point game with under nine to play in the fourth. Hmm. So, we've got Florida. We've got Kentucky. Kentucky had a, had a deal with it tonight with, with Northern Illinois. And we got Tennessee. We got Florida, Tennessee, Kentucky. Maybe if you want to throw South Carolina in there, that's fine. I, By the way, I will just say this. That Auburn-Missouri game, I hated it, all of it. It was awful to watch. But, Hack, which one of these teams, and I'm just going to assume Tennessee, Florida, in Kentucky, which one of those teams is the biggest threat to Georgia? To me, right now, well, I mean, I think all three of them. One I mean, word, baby. Say, but... Let's go. One word. Uh, Tennessee, right now. Tennessee, Clint. Tennessee. Tennessee. Okay, now we sound like Arrested Development, George. Tennessee. 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 Okay, there we go. <laughs> Cheers, boy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Kentucky's a close second. Mm -hmm. I like Kentucky. I think that they scoring the football is going to be an issue for them. And I think that's going to be the part that I find the most fascinating is how they find ways to score the football. Um, so we hit that. We hit the SEC. We'll get, uh, let, me, let me tie yeah. Clint and Hack's points together real quick. For Clint with Hooker, he's flying that plane as they designed it uh, mm -hmm. with, with Hypel. Yes. Play fast. Get your work done pre-snap. 
attack, 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 that whole uh, dictating terms. You don't see him in the pocket hold from one to two to three. They set it. That's why they set their receivers so wide all the way to the boundary. Attack, stay on top of them. Somebody asked me about that today. Somebody asked me why they're receiving. Because we see so many teams working tight bunch. Yep, you can do that. And they have that package. But But it also pulls the – it clears the picture. And to Hack's point, to both of them, Hooker isn't really at the peak of his powers. Right. But he just – he completely understands how they want to fly this plane. He's got that two-gear speed like Jalen does. But that two-gear speed goes 40, 50 yards downfield. Great touch, great ball placement. But, yeah, there's a lot. Like, like we haven't even seen Tennessee at their peak yet. That's scary. Dude, real yeah. quick, we need to tip our cap to, to Josh Heifel. Indeed. Because yeah. like I'm saying, he's got a quarterback. He got a quarterback that just that just rattled off six incompletions, and three of them he had dudes, he had dudes butt naked and missed them. So, I mean, it's one of them like – and, again, I'm not knocking the kid. For, for all means, I'm not knocking the kid. But I that's mean, the play caller. Speak to it, Clint. Abs- I mean, it's just, just like simple. Like I, I will never ever. I watch it. I watch it here in Houston with the Texans guys all the time. I will never understand why a play caller doesn't use formations, use shifts, and use motions to force defenses to declare. Yeah. Yes. And that's what they're doing. It's simply this is- two wide receivers and splitting them, stacking them too as wide as you can get them. Makes a defense declare. Yep. Explain declare, Clint, for those rolling with because the, because you got two wide receivers, you got four offensive uh, uh, pass catchers, huh? Yeah, you got four threats. You got four there. threats out <laughs> wide. You gonna take four <laughs> defenders with them? You gonna put two safeties over the top and take an, take an extra defender with them and play right. the pass? Or are you gonna you gonna risk and, and pack in there in the box right where where I got a dual threat quarterback and a running back and maybe a tight end that can go a little bit? Correct. You got to you got to declare. You can, there's no play in the middle ground. You can't. And for those of you, for those of you rolling at home or going to your local bar to get with your boys and quote Clint Sterner, declare for a defense means I can't hide, I can't get cute, I can't disguise. Declare means you. you basically hold up a sign, show your cards. If it's only one in the middle, then it's only one safety. By the time he does all this stuff, they strip all that away. That's what Heupel's doing uh, at his point. And when we had we, we had because Kenny Logan was on the show this week, safety from Kansas, and I asked him, does he worry about personnel packages or formations? And he said he worries about formations the most. That's a great question because with formations, with what they're hypo's running more of a true spread, right? Where everything is spread out to create space, as you mentioned, to make you declare. What we're seeing now, and Alabama does it really, really well, and I think Georgia does it pretty pretty well as well especially with Georgia coming out in 13 personnel and then it's like when you stack your tight ends behind each other and one's got to be covered by a safety one's got to be covered by a backer the exchange on those is hard so I see both sides of it but I love that Tennessee is committed to making you declare because they they I mean they ran a bunch against Pitt where they had three they had a tight bunch but it was all outside of the numbers it was crazy so um, it just, I like it's, this it's, Felder. I like this. I like the Felder. nerd out but, segment. But the but the nerding out and keep going on to that. The point to that is is there's more than one way to skin a cat. Absolutely. At the end of the day, like football comes down to numbers, leverage, and matchups. Period. Yeah. You could you could dress it up however you want. Any Those you three want. things are what football comes down to. Offensively, you can do that with tight ends, tight different alignments do i got killers up front that can create space on a consistent basis and 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 hypo is mastering what his roster has bingo on a consistent basis he's putting those guys in positions to be successful and that's that's beautiful anybody who does that it's going to vary based upon who you got who you got standing in your locker room you You lost you hit the nail on the head so do we any do we have any concerns about georgia after the kent state kind of struggle no no Uh, no here's what i'll say look man just imagine, you, you come off the national championship, you're invincible. Alabama got you a little bit sure. in the game, but you're invincible. You go all the way through the offseason. You watched 10% of your team get drafted, get drafted, and most of those guys go in the first round, only to have their seats filled by guys, some, some cases better. Then the weight of the world's on you. Everybody's looking at you. They got you penciled in in the playoffs already. All the rest of this stuff is just mere formalities. You got to come out and play. 
every yeah. week you still have to come out here, block, sure. tackle, hammer, score. Like you still got to come out here. And Kent State, this was their Super Bowl. Those seniors, juniors, sophomores, they came down there tonight. They'll be talking about this until they're 75 years old. We played the baddest team in college football. Georgia's not talking about today's game with their grandkids. They ain't talking about this game with their roommate next week. Like, it, that's that's just the psychology. Sure. They handle their business, though. And they still yeah. – I mean, yeah, you, you got to weather some of these deals. They didn't see it coming. Kent State gamed them up. But, yeah, still the number one team, I think. So, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm very curious to see that. I'm very interested to watch it because – Let's throw in. We got a couple other top 25 upsets that we got to talk about. Uh, Texas gets ranked. Mm. I, I feel like they got ranked more off of almost beating Alabama than they got ranked off of winning. Thousand percent. And they lose to Texas Tech. I do we do we view Texas Tech as a threat in that in the in the Big 12, or is this just a Texas team that's hey. still not close uh to being back? I'll, I'll jump in this. Yeah. I, th I think Texas is still in it because OU just just went down to K-State right now. Oh, you that got – you beat me to it. That whole conference is – that whole conference is uh, – I'm telling you. It's it, a crapshoot right now. Who can survive? It's the L.A. fitness. It's the L.A. fitness of college football <laughs> conferences. I'm telling you. <laughs> who's, wow. who's, got the, who's got the reservoir at the end of the year? Who's got the deepest pockets? It goes back to about two weeks ago, George. We had a conversation. Maybe it was three weeks ago. If Oregon was in the Big 12, they'd be the favorites right now. They'd be in the college. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's what I'm going to say. Who do we who do we all like as favorites? I'm I, I'm still a Baylor guy. So, George, who in, do you who do you like? You're talking in about in the Big 12, in the just the Big 12 by itself. Who do you like? I I also would go Baylor. Okay. No, I, I'm right. I've been riding Oklahoma State from jump. Yeah. Okay. Oh man, and they, and they out here struggling. They're losing right now. I was just about that. Before I said <laughs> that, what are they doing? <laughs> yeah, Hack. What do you got? I don't know, man. I, I mean, just to me, Oklahoma. I mean, yeah, they're they they've done this historically. They lose one or two, they end up catching sure. going or whatever. But to me, you know, Oklahoma's got a shot still. Um, sure. But again, I think if USC runs the table, uh, two SEC teams and a Big Ten team, it don't matter what anyone does there. Sure. So, and we're watching a USC team right now that is what? They're up, they're down to, to Oregon State. Mm -hmm. An undefeated Oregon State, mind you. Yes, the SES. Yes, yes. Listen, the I love the Yogi Beavers. Ross. No, oh, I love that team, my man. My, the fighting Stephen Nelsons. <laughs> oh, there you go. So, no, I, I love that. So, we got that as an upset. Um, we're also going to go – we're sticking in the 20s from, from an upset standpoint, which will get us to talk about the ACC a little bit. Miami goes down to Middle Tennessee. They didn't it, just go down. They got knocked out. I was – that's – listen, don't – you can't just beat me <laughs> to the things I'm going to say. My bad, my bad, my <laughs> bad. Do your thing, point guard. They bench, they bench their quarterback to go to Jake Garcia. They didn't just lose – I mean, they got their – I mean, they got – listen, they got – They got smoked. They got Speak smoked. on it. Speak on it. They got smoked. They did. They, they got their behinds worked. So, with, if you're Mario Cristobal, you've already bailed on the quarterback. And I know you've got – we've all talked about this before. People had Van Dyke as a possible first-round quarterback. Which is absurd anyway. And, I, sure. hey, Van Dyke, if you're listening, all love and respect. But the, sure. but the deal was – that's absurd. They just got carried away with it. Sure. Got carried away with it. But – it was a real conversation that folks had. So what does Miami do now? How do they rebound? Clint, how does, how does Miami rebound from losing the middle and not figuring out what they're supposed to – not being close to what they're supposed to be with a brand-new coach? Well, I mean, you got to – look, the, the, the transition from one coach to the next is always as difficult as sure. ever. Um, the, the thing for Cristobal is I, I'll argue and, and I, some coaches overcome it, but I think year three is the most difficult year in a, in a, in a re or it was before all this transfer. Let me, let me, sure. let me clean that up before you could go out there and sign a damn recruiting class. That's already got experience and two years worth of eligibility behind them. You know, I'd say year three was, is a monster. Like right now, Van Dyke was a leader in his, in his locker room. You know, you you got you got a, a senior class that was probably I don't know what year is Van Dyke junior senior. I mean, you, junior, you, yeah. you got a bunch of them dudes that Cristobal didn't recruit 
that he's fixing. His, he's already benched the most important one. He's probably going to bench several of them. There, there's going to be guys that are that that don't that don't want to buy in, that want to be out in the streets and don't want to listen. He, he's going to bench a couple of them. And next thing, <laughs> next oh thing you got a bunch of 18, 19 year olds running your program, and, and you're in trouble. So he's got to he's got to handle this with kid gloves and make the the right decisions yeah. just to survive the next couple of years. Yeah. Sorry, I just got excited. Oregon State just they they forced the fumble on the goal on on the goal line. They didn't even force it, I don't think. I think they just fumbled it. And USC almost gave them the football at the one line, one yard line going in. We're watching like this is I'm I'm still watching while I'm trying to direct traffic, guys. Oh, I got yeah. ex- I got excited. I like Hack. it. Hack, um, let me get to you. Uh, as a quarterback, where does that confidence level come in? Whether you get inserted as a young guy or you're someone that it feels like your team lose confidence loses confidence in you. <clears throat> Like, how does that fit in? Yeah, I think it's uh, obviously a pretty tough situation. I think some of those points you made about uh, Clint, you made about a new head coach, a new situation. You know, he don't he don't really have ties to anyone. So, so Van Dyke had to go. Whether he thought he proved himself last year or not, it doesn't really matter. I mean, you got right. a guy, and, and I think he needed to look at that situation as well. It's not just a guy. You got a guy who played here. During right. the glory days of the program, right, understands the direction he wants to take it. I think you can either get all on board, and at the end of the day, whether you play well or not, and I think that's kind of going to dictate it heading into next week. Like you're going to really see whether Tyler Van Dyke was all on board, and I'm talking not X's and O's, but like bought in program direction, whether or not they roll him out next next week or not. Um, so because, next week is the big – next week's the big yeah. one. Like, do they go back to him, or is he just – is he, like, actually out? Yeah, or is he done? Because, I mean, everyone's got – I mean, you know, we all been kicked in the balls a couple times when we've been sure. playing. And you know you got – you got to take your loss when you take them, you know, and, and you got to be a man about it, and you got to swallow your pill, take your medicine, and move on. So we'll see what happens. Um, but I think, you know, for, for, for Cristobal, this is a great – you know, he's, he's got he's to thin the herd. He's got to figure it out. He's got to get the right guys in that locker room to, to be – rowing and pulling the rowing the boat and pulling the rope in the right direction in the same direction uh to where he wants to get this program going because college football is better when Miami's good in well, my you, opinion well you said row the boat so let's go ahead and talk about Minnesota we think do we all agree like just a quick uh, yes 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 that we would they're the they're the favorite in the in the west yeah yeah dominant as hell they're dominant oh, yeah. as hell on, on the line of scrimmage and they got a kid pulling the trigger who's of that, how um, much does he look like? How much does Tanner Morgan look exactly like PJ Fleck? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But I also, think... you throw in Mo Ibrahim, and he's so he's such Mo's a tough runner. Stud. He's Dude, a stud. The way that he he and listen, full disclosure: my wife went to Michigan State. Her my wife's first cousin was a starting left tackle at Michigan State a couple years ago. We we are in. If I if we were going to say what type of a household we were in, it's not even a UNC household. We are in a Michigan State household. And watching her, she turned the she turned the Washington game off last week and said, "I'm going out to have wine with the neighbors." This week, she goes, "I guess I'll just watch this upstairs." And then I heard her scream every manner of profanity from upstairs. And she goes, "I just started watching the Jeffrey Dahmer series." She goes, "Mel Tucker gets paid this much to do this." Michigan State's in a tough spot, but Minnesota, man, they feel really, really good. Clint, what do you got? Minnesota, like they, they got a great trigger man and a great. I know this. I know this, Felder. PJ got a bunch of some bitches rowing the boat, and ain't got ain't none of them drilling holes in the bottom of that some bitch. I promise you. Correct. Powerful, powerful thing right there. We can make fun of the gimmick. We can make fun of, you know, but but when you've got something like P.J. Fleck has in that row your boat monster, if you will, and you stamp it all over the locker room and you preach it and you're genuine and sincere about it, which he is. We had him at the Bear Bryant Awards not too long ago, and, and mm-hmm. I sat down with him for 15 minutes, and, and, and you can minimize it if you want to, but it is real. I mean, he believes in it, he preaches it, he lives it, and um, and, and it seems like he's got a locker room that's bought into it, and – Boy, if you can just get to a point where you don't have one guy in your locker room 
drilling a hole in the bottom of your boat while your other guys are out there rolling yeah. their ass off. Yeah. You don't have yeah. anybody with a drill in their hand. You, you got a powerful unit. And so um, I hadn't watched a whole hell of a lot of them, but but I know when that's the case, it's it's strong and it's real and you can take it to the bank. George, what do you got? I, I've been around P.J. Fleck about a half a dozen times. And just like Clint said, it's real. But whether it's game day, we've been around him or campus, you're, you're almost kind of exhausted in a good way because of his energy. If you're a young man in that building, you're not going to outwork him. You'll never walk into a meeting room before he was already there. You'll never be out of the building when he's not still there. And all that energy is infectious. And it's it honestly, and it sounds hokey, but he starts with people. And then I didn't know how it would be to bring that row the boat deal from Western over to Minnesota. But really, it's a mantra. So he's gonna, that's going to go with him long Everywhere. into when he's coaching into the NFL. But just think about the energy and his ability to hotwire young men. So Ohio State, we saw a deal today. They have 66 players that were four or five star high school recruits. 66 right. in comparison, they're playing a team in Wisconsin that had 20. I don't even know if Minnesota has 20. So what do we win with? Being sharp, being locked in, heavy culture, heavy culture, heavy culture. And it's the same as what Baylor's winning with. It's what Kansas just popped open this year. If you start looking around and you're like, how come this thing over here is smoking and there's not much around it? Go inside and find out. They're sparking that thing from the inside, and it usually starts from up top. So here's what I'm going to say, because you mentioned having the, what, the, the caliber of, of quote-unquote talent that you have in changing the culture. Britt Venables, I think, is he is trying to change the culture at Oklahoma, but we just live on air, we watch them lose. So... What do they heck? You went through. You've gone through a coaching change before. What is what does the coaching staff have to do? Like with Oklahoma absorbing this loss, what do they have to do to make sure that they got everybody on board? You know, it's uh, to me, it's such a unique thing. And as the coach coming in, you have to be able to read the room, right? And it's not just the room in terms of the players. It's the there's a lot of shit that goes into college football, man. Yes. Um, uh, just being completely plain about it. There's a lot of shit that goes into it. So you really need to be able to read the room and understand who you need to, to have on your side, how you need to get this thing going. And, and, you know, my, my situation was really unique. So I try and leave that out as an outlier in any, any conversation that I have just because of everything that was going on at Penn state at that time. But, sure. um, but yeah, man, I think, uh, you know, for PJ, He's done a great job of, to your point, coming in there, establishing a culture, getting it ground up, going. And it's a blueprint for anybody else that's stepping into that situation. Um, you know, someone someone, someone down there, Lincoln, Nebraska, whoever that is, is going to have to do something very similar here pretty soon. So, it, it, to me, it truly does start with – you can't have you can't have people pulling pulling the rope in a different direction. You need you need everyone on board, one thousand percent bought into what you want to do, and ultimately you live and die by that identity. Um, and oftentimes when you're all in on something, you go figure out a way to make it work. And that's yeah. that's to me when you see that across the country, people who just go all in on something, they figure it out. Yeah. It may be cyclical. It may not be. You know, you got a Kirk Ferentz at Iowa. It's cyclical. Uh, uh, fits up in up in Northwestern. It's cyclical but they figure it out. Your boy, Sam Pittman, man. I mean, yeah. dude's getting, dude's getting guys up front, man. Yeah. Like they're, they're a mean ass football team. I wouldn't want to play Arkansas week in week no. out. I no. wouldn't. It's and brutal. It's a, but it's, it's a testament to those guys doing it top to bottom. And I, I love that. If you've got the balls to do that, hell go die on that mountain. Yeah. yeah. Hey, so he, I mean, here's what it's about guys, right? It's about authenticity. When we're talking about head coaches, like, if, if it's authentic and it's real and you believe in it, you can talk about rowing a boat, right? Mm -hmm. Well, I think Venables is authentic at, authentic at well, Oklahoma. I'm, I'm not saying anybody is or they, or they aren't. I'm just simply saying that if you go into a program and you want complete buy-in from guys that have known you for two months, right? if you're authentic, you got a lot better chance of getting the buy-in from those guys than a bunch of than, than than if you're fake and if you're a fraud and if it's yeah. all just for show and it's all smoke and mirrors and you got a lot of that in college football. We just had it at Arkansas with Chad Morris. Yeah, I mean Chad Morris went in there. I think Chad's a good good coach, but he went in there with all these smoke and mirrors and ended up 
dividing the locker room and losing the whole locker room and because it wasn't authentic. It wasn't who he was. So you can be the old blue-collar, beer-drinking, uh, you know, Sam Pittman at Arkansas, and if, it, if it's real, if it's authentic, if it's authentic, it plays in homes, in households with moms and dads from the East Coast to the West Coast down to the Gulf Coast. It don't matter where you're at. It plays. It doesn't matter you're, if you're rowing boats or you're drinking cold beer. If it's authentic, it plays. If it's and honestly, not, they see right through it. And, and Felder, the closest thing to this in society is religion, converting non-believers. And if you walk into a football building, they may not be non-believers, but you got to get them on your religion. While you're here, we're going to be going like this. And the atmosphere in Minnesota is a lot probably different from the atmosphere in Arkansas, and they're both winning. And you got atmospheres all over the place, but you got to get in as a new ball coach and convert them. And you got to be like Clint said, if, if it's a if you're a Catholic, you better have a, a cross this big and you better know all the scripture. If you're a you know what I'm saying, a Baptist and you're yeah. up there thumping and sweating and going, whatever it is, you got to be the most you and then get these rascals to go with it. And then Winning does help. Winning will start to like sure that thing up. And that's so, the sure. thing with Venerables is like, what do you get? Like Oklahoma's had a lot going yeah. Yeah. in the right direction. So like, how much do you really have to change? Correct. Yeah, you're right. gonna bring in some facility. Like, so he's he's got to evaluate that situation. That's why he's got I think big shoes so to things. fill too. Hack. No, the hundred percent. Right. Hundred yeah. percent. But at the same token, like we got dudes, we got talent. You know, there's not like a. You're not lacking anything at Oklahoma. It's just like, can we get these guys to believe in what I'm trying to do philosophy, from a philosophy standpoint, which, to your point, we win games, that's easy. So, yeah, and that's that's the part I was kind of getting at is yeah, he coaches hard, right? He's a guy that – Venables is going to put you on the bench. Like, if you don't do what he asks you to do, he's going to put you on the bench. And I wonder how the, the Oklahoma players are receiving kind of that message. That's the part that I kind of have the question about. Um, the other question, uh, speaking of guys that coach hard, Dan Lanning at Oregon. This is a guy that was down 12 points with four minutes to play. Clint, I'm going to go to you first. What does a win like this do for a team in year one to make you feel like, especially a team that got destroyed by Georgia, but then they come, they get this comfort behind win against Washington State on the road. What does this do for them to show to help them kind of Add to the culture. Believe in what the coach is doing. Believe in the message. Believe in what you're able to do as a fo as a football team. Well, look, I think it's twofold, man. I mean, at Oregon, after getting thumped by Georgia, I think the the, the difference, the gap between Georgia and Oregon, was blatantly obvious to anybody with a heartbeat, right? So sure. that that loss really, and I'm being completely honest, I don't. If anybody in the or the the Oregon uh, organization program was like just beside themselves and, and disappointed in Dan Lanning because of that loss, their ass should be fired. Right. And so moving forward, it's like, okay, what, what good can we pull from all of these games to, to help this locker room understand that what we're doing on a daily basis, what we're asking them to do differently today that the former regime wasn't asking them to do. We need them to buy in and do it a hundred percent. And it's a lot easier to get that buy-in. It's a lot easier to get guys to change. It's a lot easier to get guys to buy into Bo Nix, who's a transfer quarterback yeah. that nobody knew two months ago. It's a lot easier to do those things when you win ball games like this. Do you have to win them in order to turn a program? No, you don't have to. But, boy, when you do, it is a powerful, powerful moment. And I'm going to tell you, Bo Nix, I don't walk shit back very often. I don't, I don't walk back very often. I just take my L and move, keep my ass moving. But I'm going to tell you, Bo <laughs> Nix, the last two weeks, Indeed. I was Bo Nix. I never called you Bo Pitts because I don't like disrespecting quarterbacks around the country like some of these some bitches around here do. However, these last two weeks, Bo, woo, woo, keep doing it up, hadn't he? Bo Nix, I, I am impressed with Bo Nix. And just real quick, Felder, I mean, resilience. You're, you are as good it, – it's not so much rising up to the moment. We're all really as good as our level of training, our level of work put in. They got down there to Georgia. It didn't matter how much work. That, I mean, that game was decided at – it was decided at birth. That game was decided at birth. So you can just skip <laughs> on past that. Then they get to BYU, 
it goes 12 rounds. Yeah. They come out, split decision, they get him. Tonight, 12 rounds. Washington State, they're going to win eight, nine ball games. Why? Another big win. Resiliency. I don't know what that building must have felt like coming home from Atlanta, that flight home from Atlanta, that week of practice coming off that Georgia deal. Everybody real cool on them. And then it really only matters about the people in that building. That's it. You don't have to worry about what others are saying. It's what we think and what really what we've worked to earn. And here they go. Another big win tonight, 12 rounds. I'm proud of them. I'm proud of that. I'm proud of that program, that medal. Joe, here, here's here's what's beautiful about that, right? And 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 heck, gee, y'all, y'all hell, y'all all get it, right? But the reality of it is, is you're sitting around in that locker room. And after that Georgia game, you probably had a couple old boys that are upperclassmen that ain't playing much. They probably started chirping a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Bo Nix couldn't really say nothing. You know, the other the other <laughs> the other guys, the other guys that are upperclassmen, they didn't really have a whole lot to to hang their hat on if they're being completely honest behind Dan Lanning. Because if you if I'm over here chirping and you come trying to check me, I say, Hell, you don't know Dan no better than me. What the hell are you talking about? Right? Mm-hmm. A, a win like today. Yeah. Gets more guys in Dan's corner to where now those guys are are the majority, and they'll start squeezing out them dudes that are that are that are them locker room politicians. They'll yeah. start squeezing them dudes out, and then politicians will get real quiet yeah. after a W. And that's that's the thing that that Dan needs to do. He needs that more than he needs to beat Georgia, yeah. right? And so that's inside the locker room. That's what's happening. Like Bo Nix can walk around and say, "Hey, man, don't you say one? You have your ass here. Say in Monday morning, or don't come your ass at all." Yep. And like, hack. Come, turn your books in. Don't bring your ass back in here at all. That's and what hack. Imagine they go nine and one, ten and one. Hack Felder, and that one loss is to the number one team in the nation. Watch out. They I mean, how out. good does that look? It don't matter if you lost by a field goal or if you lost by. 68 points or whatever the game wound up being. Sure. If you can turn around, get yourself back up, <clears throat> like put this back together and go, what a what a great opportunity for you. And the best thing is that was week one. Yeah. Week one. Yeah. Week long, one. Long time ago. You know. Long time ago. It's funny you say that too, Clint. My high school coach coach used to tell me there's three segments on a team. You got the you got the first tier. All the dudes bought in, willing to do anything to win the football game. You got the middle tier. You got guys who are there, but not quite yet. You know, there's still some politicking that they do and some talking, you know, in the showers and, you know, behind curtains and whatnot. And then you got the bottom tier. It's there for the pizza after the game and the damn jersey on Fridays at school. He goes, you got you to gotta figure out a way how to get that bottom third into that second tier. And then that second tier, you got to get those guys that are right on the edge up to the first tier and keep it going. And to your point, wins like this – get those guys from the pizza box and the Jersey dudes up to that yeah. middle tier and the middle tier guys who are kind of like, ah, do I want to go all in or not? You get those guys all in. Yeah. And that's how you build a culture. Yeah. yeah. I think you're spot on. I think that one of the schools that does have an established culture, uh, they're just trying to figure out what they are on the field still. But I think they have a very established culture is Clemson. And we hadn't talked about them yet, but they go to overtime against Wake Forest. Clint, I know you, you check this one out. What, what do we think about Clemson? I think DJ is like – like they didn't have their fastball. And, George, I know this is one of the things you always say. They don't have their fastball. Their defense was not close to what we've seen their defense be. Clint, what do you think? The offense was able to, you know, kind of save their bacon. Man, look, I, I'm torn with with Clemson. But I, I got a couple of points that I think are valid that I'd like to hear, hear responses to. Is Sure. One, there's no doubt DJ is an unbelievably talented dude. Yes, but when I watch that football team play, it does not seem like the team responds to him at all throughout a four-quarter ball game. I've watched him play two complete ball games this year, and it just doesn't seem like there's a spark. It doesn't seem like there's an emotion. It doesn't seem like there's a I will take a bullet for you die. I don't, I don't, I may be dead ass wrong, but that's what I when I watch, that's what I see. The other thing about Clemson is there's two things on each side of the football that change the dynamic at Clemson that I am fascinated to watch how it unfolds. Yes. You do not have wide receivers that are 50-50 ball catchers mm-hmm. that they typically have. And they waste a lot of downs throwing 50-50 balls that never have a damn chance. So, so yeah. without those dudes, what do they do offensively? Defensively, 
they don't, we thought their defensive line was really good, and they may really be NFL caliber good. They may be great individuals. They have a lot of pieces that are really good. They are not communicating as a unit. But I, I don't. But I, here's the issue: I don't believe it's very simple. I do not believe that Clemson's down four can stop the run and and create chaos around the passer the way they typically have in the past to where they can just play whatever kind of coverage they, they want to play behind them. You saw today, they had to add defenders to the front, and what happened? Young corners, backup corners that are in that are in for injured guys, they got absolutely torched. That's problems that, that 90% of college football has. But yes. Clemson doesn't typically have those problems. They usually catch 50-50 balls, and they usually cause trouble and stop the run with their front four. They don't and let me to have that. Hang on. Well, the thing for me is this. It's communication. Anytime – this is the thing I watch for. And, and listen, if you guys are listening – if someone's listening to the show, and by the way, you can find us on the SiriusXM app, uh, brought to you by Bet Rivers. I completely forgot to do that at the top of the show. That's my fault. But here's the thing. Boom, boom, boom. Communication. Anytime I see a corner get up and look at the safety like, hey, man. And then the safety is like, I'm not supposed to be there. You're supposed to just do this. That's the communication. Go ahead. Go ahead, Whip. Get in here. We'll, yeah, we got, real we got, quick. We got, real quick. We got, we got, real we quick on DJ. Real quick on DJ. I see we're calling him DJU on some of the networks or whatever. Uh, DJ. DJ Uyangalele. He lost his coordinator. Yes. Tony Elliott, who mm-hmm. had a rhythm going all the way back to Sean Watson and, and Trevor and DJ for the early part of his career. Mm-hmm. That's a tough deal. Okay. I got a new play caller and that play caller. It's his first time him ever being a play caller second. And I think this is much more important. He had a lot of beta moments last year. They suffered that big loss at Pitt last year. Hack you and I went back and forth about it last year, mm-hmm. had the shuffle, the shuffle pass and went back for a pick six post game interview he was told that Dabo Sweeney said, hey, your job might be open. What does he do? He doesn't say, no, this is my job. This is my team. He says, hey, man, if Clint Sterner winds up being the starting quarterback, I'm riding for it. Like, it was so many beta yeah. moments. It was like, if you want to take my sword and shield, I guess you can have it. It's somebody else's. They deserve it. Like, that stuff matters. Like, people get fired up at watching Baker Mayfield a lot, but – Nobody questions whether he wants to be the starter. Nobody questions if this is the Tiger walking around the locker room. That stuff matters now. So now you're seeing a guy out there with a team. You talk about how the team reacts about him. It's quasi, and the offense is quasi. They're just so talented, and they have one of the better ball coaches in the country leading it. But those things matter. Yeah, I think they matter too. What do you What do you I, think? I, like when you I watch this team. I'll hit on it quick. I think DJ started behind the eight ball because of last year. I thought this year he's done a better job of commanding the room right. and putting himself in situations where he hasn't he hasn't put the team in jeopardy, and I think he's given his teammates reasons to believe in him this year. But the problem is you had 11, 12, 13 games last year that you got to overcome, right? And a lot right. of those guys are still in the same locker room. So pat on DJ's back, heading in the right direction, in my opinion. True, but true. I still think he's got some – he's got an uphill battle to climb. Defensively, though, and I don't want to take credit away from Wake Forest because this long mesh, unique yes. team that they've been doing, man, I watched it for the first time, like, super, super in-depth today. Man, that's a bitch. It yeah. is. It I mean, they're, they're just reading <laughs> secondary guys. If they're sitting in quarters and those, and, those, and those weak side safeties come down and fill the outside run support, they're bombs away over the top. Yep. you got a freshman. So – it's a bitch, and to 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 Wake Forest's front three really. It's the center. It's the guard to guard combination. Yep. They hold those big dogs up front, right at the line of scrimmage, and then it's like Le'Veon Bell and gap scheme. That running back with that long mesh is like, all right, what do I got? What do I got here? Boom, boom, boom. All right, here, boom. Take four yards, and it's just a pain, man. So for Clemson to stay patient, and ultimately win this game, huge, huge tip of the cap to Wake Forest. Hell of a way to have an identity, stick to yep. it, and put a put a put a freaking Put a couple harpoons in this whale, um, and Sam Hartman, man, bald. So they um, shouldn't go anywhere in the rankings. Hack. Nah, they should nah, they should, man. They're they're good, man. So to me, like it's a tip of the cap to both teams, and I think Wake Forest is for real. And I yeah. gave them a whole hell of a lot of shit heading into the season because I thought Sam Hartman was going to be out, but that dude's for real, and that team's for real.
Yeah, listen, that's a great way to put a, a pin in this. I think that's a great way to end the show, Hack, for Christian Hackenberg, for Clint Sterner, for George Whitfield. I'm Michael Felder. Make sure you check us out on the SiriusXM app, uh, Field of 12, Field of 12 After Dark on the SiriusXM app. You can check out fieldof68.shop for merch. And, of course, your sponsor brought to you by Bat – powered, excuse me, by Bet Rivers. Guys, this has been fun. Like, this is this is my first time doing a Saturday. I've had a good time. There you go. Go on, man. Good job, sir. To your health. Cheers. Salud. Chief, thank you. I need it. Man.